Well, we're starting a new series today, and this uh, series is called All This Church Wants Is My Money. Doesn't that sound like a great series? Uh, <laughs> All This Church Wants Is My Money. So let me ask, how many people have ever heard something like that? Somebody say, all the church wants, all they just want your money, and, and maybe uh, anybody here ever thought something like that? So how many people, maybe somebody's thinking that right now, aren't you? So I've... Um, I tell you, I've thought that at different times, and um, we've probably all heard it. We've heard some kind of a thought or some kind of a, a statement like that. But, um, but I want to talk about, as we start this series, where, where does a thought like that come from? And not only where does a thought like that come from, but how does it get so much traction? How, how does it get so easily accepted or, or um, received, not just in you know, church circles, but in, the, in society. You, you say something about money and uh, church and uh, talk to somebody about, oh, I, we tithe at our church. All the churches want is your money. It just gets, um, gets so easily accepted. And, and, and I just wonder how, because honestly, in most churches that I know, most churches that I'm aware of, that's just simply not the case. And, and I can tell you for sure, absolutely, positively, that's not true of New Covenant Church. It, it, that's just not who we are. That's, um, that's not how we process things. And, uh, and so I want, I want you to hear a statement. I made this statement Wednesday night, but I, I want you to hear this statement and, um, and, and really get this. We do not want something from you. We want something for you. I mean, that, that really is. That, that's, that's God's heart. That's the heart of our, the leadership of this church. And, um, and, and I just absolutely can positively can tell you that, that that's truth. You know, a few years ago, we were, um, we were dealing with a, a very difficult situation with a person that was kind of in a difficult situation. And um, does that surprise you that pastors ever deal with difficult situations? I know that's a shock, you know, I mean, because we deal with you and there's never anything difficult in your life, no ever any problems or those type of things, right? But we really were, we were dealing with a difficult situation and, um, and, and it, was, it, was, it was hard for this person, it was hard for us. And, then, and in the midst of it, I um, reached out to this, this person and we needed, um, needed some assistance and this person had some expertise in this area. And I said, oh, would you mind coming and helping with such and such? And, and all of a sudden, their response was just, man, they, they, they like, you know, blew up, got red in the face. And all oh, this church, they only want me when I can do something for the church. And I was like, whoa, chill, bud, you know, <laughs> bring it down a notch or two here, you know. And, and all of a sudden, I found myself kind of caught off guard and, and maybe getting a little bit, you know, wanting to react and debate. And, and all of a sudden, I just sensed the Holy Spirit say, wait a minute, hold on, just, just be quiet for a second. Holy Spirit ever tell you that? Be quiet, you know. Sometimes he says, be quiet. Other times he says, Sam, shut up. You know, I'm, do you have so, so. But um, the Holy Spirit just began to, I could sense there was something going on. And the Holy Spirit told me, he says, you know what? He goes, they're not hearing the truth. They're hearing through their pain. They're, they're hearing through some disappointment in their life. They're hearing through maybe even some self-inflicted wounds that are helping that are trying to define their life. And, and so I let things calm down for a minute. And then I, I asked this person, I said, would, would you, here, come here for a second. I want you to look into my eyes and I want to look into your eyes and I want to tell you something. We really don't want something from you. We want something for you. And so 
if very seriously, very intentionally, if we could stand just face to face for a moment, I want you to hear something. I want you to hear it from the Lord. I want you to hear it from the heart of this church. I want you to hear it from me. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. Can anybody receive that this morning? Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Give the Lord a, a hand clap for that. Yeah. So um, listen, and then let me tell you, if you ever hear or sense or feel um, something other than that in your mind and your heart, uh, you're not hearing from God and, and you're definitely not hearing from New Covenant Church. Okay. Is, is that, is that good? Are we okay there? Is everybody, are we on the, is that all right? I mean, I really want that to, to settle into our hearts. I want you to know this morning that you are valued for who you are, not for what you do. You get this? You're valued for who you are, not what you do. We appreciate everything that you do in every area and at every level. We're thankful. We're thankful for you and we, we appreciate the service and and, and we know that as you grow healthy, as you get stronger, as you get more mature, as, as you become more like Christ, as, as, as you get what you need, that that's going to benefit you. And ultimately, that's going to benefit the church. It's going to make us the, the kind of church that God wants us to be so that we can accomplish everything that he wants. And I know that's our heart today. Amen. We want to do what the Lord wants. So I want to be sure that every one of us understands this very, very clearly. God's got a purpose. We want to fulfill his purpose. We want to see his purpose fulfilled in your life and in this building, in this, in this body. So when you're serving, when you're giving, when you're praying, when you're worshiping, everything you do, you do it unto the Lord. Amen? You do it for his glory and for your good. And I believe we're going to see God do amazing things. Amen? Are we good? Everybody on the same page there? How's that? Amen. Amen. So then how does a, how does a comment, how does a statement like, all the church wants is my money, how, how does it come to be? How does it, where's, where's the source of that? Well, I, I want to talk about two sources this morning. First of all, I think the church has to take some responsibility. Um, in the ancient church, History, there were times where there were all kinds of abuses. There were crazy things that went on. They would, they would um, sell, has anybody ever heard of, of indulgences? They would, the history and church history, you needed something and you come to the priest and well, if you paid the right amount of money, then you could get favors or you could get prayers or you could get blessings and just, just you know, superstitious kind of things that have gone on. There's been abuse of power. There's been manipulation. There were times contrary to the heart of what the, the church of Jesus Christ has always been. One of the greatest things that's always marked the life of the early church has been compassion and care for the poor. Um, that's just been one of the things that the apostles, even when they were disagreeing on things, they could say, hey, we're always gonna care for the poor. But there were times and seasons when the poor was neg were neglected so that the, the church and the hierarchy of the church could benefit. There was definitely a lack of compassion. There was ungodly leadership. There was materialism. There was greed. And, and that, that all went on in the past. But unfortunately, it didn't stop in the past. I mean, in recent days, in recent years, 
We've seen some of the same types of things. We've seen it in the form of TV evangelists, not every television evangelist, but a, enough of television evangelists to, to, um, to think, you know what, man, that, that's just not where I want to go. That doesn't represent God. There was, there's been materialism. There's been the, a materialistic prosperity gospel. And, and uh, people ask me, say, well, well, Pastor Sam, do you believe in a, a po- prosperity gospel? And I said, well, you know what? I'm not sure I believe in what you're thinking about from the prosperity gospel but I certainly don't believe in a poverty gospel. I don't believe God wants his people. You know what I believe in? I believe in a provision gospel. I believe that God is our provider and that he knows exactly what we need, what we can handle, what's gonna be the resource to accomplish his purpose in and our life and through our life, and he's always gonna meet our need. He is our provider, amen? Why don't you give him a hand for being the provider this morning, amen? So just because someone is um, seen in a high profile position, they get highly publicized, doesn't mean that they're mature. Throughout the years, I've seen many, many people who their gifts outweigh their character. And um, and anytime somebody's giftings and their charisma goes beyond their character, it's gonna be set up for a problem. It really is. It's gonna, they're, gonna, they're gonna run that car off the road into the ditch, right? <laughs> And, um, and we've seen that, we've seen that happen. So, so we know definitely that the church has to share in some, of the, um, in some of the responsibility. But I think there's another source. I think there's another source that, that keeps perpetuating the lie of all the church wants is your money. And that source is the devil, right? Now, Chris talked about a little bit about this last week and did a great job. And you know, in the body of Christ at large, not just here, you know that, that about 30 to 36% of people, uh, of Christians, really believe that there's a real devil. Uh, I think more people have a belief in that guy in the red coat, you know, the red suit with the tail and the pitchfork, but, but they don't believe in, in a real devil. And can I tell you that that's a dangerous place to be. You're going to have a hard time defeating an enemy that you don't think exists. Amen putting that enemy in their place because he really is already defeated by Jesus Christ. And so the, the, the devil, and I want you to look with me to Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 12, the book of Revelation chapter 12, and, and we're going to read some scripture here that talks about, that talks about the devil. And I want to, um, I've got one translation that'll be up on the screen here, but I want to read this um, out of my Bible from the New King James Version. It says this, It says, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and his power and the power of his Christ have come. Anybody thankful that the power of Christ has come, that the kingdom of God has come? Amen. It says, for the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of our brethren. You might want to just underline that in your Bible. Okay, this is the Holy Spirit speaking. To, this is being penned for all eternity as the identity, as one of the identities of Satan, of, of the devil. It says, for the accuser of the brethren, uh, for the, the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night. 
You know, I have read this scripture hundreds of times through the years, and I'm not sure that I picked up on the fact that the accuser of the brethren used to stand before God day and night accusing, accusing the brethren, accusing God's people, accusing you and accusing me. It says this, it says, this accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of earth. Anytime in scripture you see the word woe, that means slow down and read carefully, all right? Woe to the inhabitants of earth, and for the seal of the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Now somebody should get happy about that. His time is short, you know why? Because Jesus Christ is coming again. He really is. And so we see that the, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, it's not just what he does, it's who he is. That accusation is actually a, a legal term. And it means this, it means to, to bring before a judge to charge somebody is guilty, to speak against them, to be a witness against them. And so the devil used to stand before God day and night and make accusations against all of God's people. Day and night, he was always trying to be a witness and get God to bring a judgment against us because of sin and failure and shortcoming and, and because we were human. But you know what? Now he is being cast down. And I personally believe that no more can this, the devil get in front of God and make an accusation. You know why? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Now look at this section, this scripture with me in Romans chapter 8. Verse 31, it says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, is God for anybody in here today? Amen. If God is for us, who can be against us? He, did not he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Listen to that, give us all things. So who shall, be, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Listen, you know what the scripture is saying? Nobody can bring a charge against you. Nobody has the right to judge you. Nobody has the right to point a finger of accusation in your face. Nobody has the right to talk about you being guilty. It says, so who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, he was raised to life and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is indeed making intercession for us. Do we get this picture this morning? Do we see that, 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 the, that the enemy used to come before God, but now Jesus throws him down. You're not allowed into the, king, to the, to the throne room of God. And Jesus is standing there. He's sitting there beside at the right hand of the Father. And anytime the enemy would even want to think about coming and making an accusation, he would have to go through Jesus. And Jesus says, no way. I've already taken the keys to death, hell, and the grave away from you. You're defeated. You have no right to come and to abuse my, the ones that I purchased, the ones that I bought, the ones that I redeemed. So what does the devil do now? You know what? He can't get to God. He can't, he can't make an accusation against us to, the, uh, to, to Jesus. What does he do? You know what he does? 
And I believe he does it day and night. He goes around and he tries to accuse you. He makes his accusations to you. He makes his accusations to me. He comes and he tries to whisper into our minds and speak into our minds to get us to listen to his accusations, his judgments, his decrees. He's the one that, um, that, that he wants us to come, he wants to come and he wants to whisper in our ears and he wants to say, you see that person? Oh, they're a hypocrite. And you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to take the place of God and begin to make a judgment against another person. He, he wants to get us to, to agree with him to start saying, oh yeah, they really are. Man, they're scumbags, I'm telling you. They're just, uh, oh gosh, they're pitiful. They're useless, they're hopeless. They're, and I'm just telling you, and if he can't get you to start making judgments against other people, you know who he'll, he'll try to get you to make a judgment against? Yourself. Yourself. That's, what he, that's where he spends most of his time. He wants to get us to, to begin to think about, oh, there, there's no hope for you. He wants, you call yourself a Christian. Huh. You haven't picked up your Bible in a month. You're, the, the dust on your Bible's an inch thick. How can you think you're gonna go to heaven? You haven't prayed a prayer since last time you ate a meal. What's wrong with you, you know? And he starts just throwing out these accusations and these judgments and he, he wants to get us to believe them and to, and to buy into them. But I wanna tell you today that there is only one righteous judge. There is only one person and his name is Jesus. And Jesus declares that we are righteous and Jesus declares that we are free and Jesus declares that we are holy and Jesus declares that we are mighty and powerful and victorious. Whose judgment are you gonna believe this morning? Amen? Amen. So I'm, I'm telling you, listen, the, the, we've, we've got to get a hold of this. That, that the devil, and, and, and somehow or another, I, I just think we've, we've come to this place where we've maybe fallen asleep. Um, the song that we sang earlier, I thought, that's, that's pretty good. It's, that it, it's, it's time to wake. It's time to arise. It's time to, 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 to get up from a place of complacency or lethargy. Or, it's time to stand up. It's time to, 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 to not tolerate any longer the things that the enemy's trying to do in people's lives. I mean, I really believe this. I really believe this. You know that scripture in First Peter chapter five, it's not in our, our, our notes, guys. Don't worry about that. First Peter chapter five, verse nine, where it says that, that your enemy... Your enemy, the devil, is out and he's, he's traveling about and he's a, like a roaring lion seeking, a roaring lion seeking, okay? And what's he seeking to do? Let me tell you this. The devil just doesn't want to come and sniff a little bit, you know, see what's going on. We, uh, we'd been out, Yvette and I had been out the uh, other night over to some folks' house and they had a, they had a puppy at their house and... Uh, and that, that puppy just was climbing all over us. And, all, you know, we were petting the puppy. And, and uh, Yvette, if, you know, she's a dog lover. And she was holding the puppy. And it was playing with her hair and chewing on her hair clips and all this kind of stuff. And so we had a great time. It was just really. And so well, then we go home. And at home, we've got a, we've got a, um, a dog there at home. That dog's name is, is Bear. And Bear's a, a, a Labradoodle. And... Um, and so normally he comes in and he's jumping and barking. He'll bring us stuff. He'll bring us a toy and stuff. 
all of a sudden, when he came to us, he dropped that toy out of his mouth. And man, he was just sniffing. No, he was sniffing all over the place. And he was sniffing. Wait a minute, what's going on? You know, and he went to Yvette and he was sniffing. Can I tell you, the devil's not a sniffer. The, the, the devil just doesn't just want to sniff and see where you're at. The, the devil's not just a sampler. <laughs> you know, just come up and just kind of lick a little bit. and so that's, that's not what he wants to do. The, the Bible says here that, that the, this, he's walking about seeking whom he can destroy. The enemy's intention for your life is to bring accusation into your life or accusation against your wife or accusation against your husband or accusation against your children or accusation against your parents to drive a wedge of division so that there can be destruction. So there can be destruction in your life. So there can be destruction in your home. And folks, I am telling you, Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I say this by the word of the Lord today, that it's time for us to wake up from our sleep. It's time for us to stop ignoring what the enemy tries to do. It's time to stop tolerating the accusations, the distractions, the deceptions, the devices of the devil. It's time to rise up in strength and in might and in power. Listen, 2 Corinthians tells us, and we know this to be true, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant. That word devices means his, his plots or his schemes. We're not ignorant, folks. You know the way the devil works. He's gonna come. And listen, he'll lie to you about somebody and he'll lie to somebody about you. And you know what else he'll do? He'll lie to you about you. He'll lie to you and tell you that your situation is hopeless He'll lie to you and tell you that, you are, that you're weak, you're just too weak. You're just never gonna, he'll lie to you and say God's never gonna honor his promise and, and that, that mate will never come along and, and you'll always be lonely and you'll always live in isolation and there's always gonna be something wrong with you. And I'm telling you today that the devil is a liar and God is true. God, God is true today. And God's plan is for us to be mighty and to be powerful and to overcome every wile, every scheme, every plan, every device, every tactic of the enemy, amen? I am looking at a room full of people who are victorious, who are strong in the Lord and the power of his might, who have the ability to put on the weapons of warfare, to put on the armor of God, to take the shield of faith, to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and defeat every work of the enemy, amen? Am I talking to the right people this morning? So folks, I put this in my notes. I don't know if I should say it. I believe it's time we just stomp the hell out of the devil. Don't you think so? I don't know about you. I just, I'm just telling you, it is time. You know, does anybody have fire ants in their yard? Okay. You know, we got fire ants in our yard and in a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a party at our house and in that, in that party, um, we were gonna do some things out in the yard and so Yvette said, why don't you go out there and just check, make sure there aren't any fire ants. And so like that commercial, I went outside and I'm like, yeah, there's fire ants out there. I said, we gonna, no, I'm just a monitor. I don't actually take care of it. I, no, I'm teasing. <laughs> but um, 
I'll tell you, you know what I didn't do? I didn't just go and find a fire ant mound and take a few little kernel or, you know, a few little, uh, those little things, those little kernels and put on. You know what I did, man? I, I had a big old bag, like a 20 pound bag. And man, I just coated it and I covered it. And I like, I like a granule for every ant in the whole mound, you know? How many people know what I'm talking about? I, man, I don't want to just you know, deter them. I want to kill them. I want to destroy them. I want to eradicate them. I want to drive them all the way into the neighbor's yard. You know what I'm talking about? Sorry, sorry. You don't really get rid of them. You just move them around. So, and that's how I am with fire ants. And I'm a lot worse than that when it comes to snakes. So uh, Yvette gets tickled. We had a snake that showed up on our porch one time and it was, I don't know, it was about the size of a small earthworm. So, um, and so... I was looking for the gun and the shovel and the ax. And I, all I could find was the shovel. And I'm out there and I'm chomping and I'm chomping. She goes, it's dead, it's dead, I know, but it's not dead enough yet. You know, it's like, so. What about if that's how we were about the works of the enemy in our lives? What, what about if that's how we were when, it, when the enemy brought a lie up and said, oh, God doesn't care. Whoa, that's not true. It's impossible for not God not to care. Amen? It's impo- Listen, it's impossible for God not to care because that's who he is. God is compassionate and full of mercy and long-suffering and gracious and kind. God cannot not care for you. So folks, I'm just telling you, it's time that we rise up. It's time that we stand up. It's time that we declare ourselves victorious, conquerors, overcomers. It's time that we recognize that God has given us the authority over the devil and every demonic work on the face of the planet. Amen? Amen. So how do we do that? Hallelujah. How do we do that? How do we overcome these accusations? Real quickly here, okay? The scripture there in Revelation said this. It says, number one, it says that they overcame by the blood of the lamb. It's not us, it's not our strength, it's not our works, it's the finished works of Jesus Christ that give us victory over every work of the enemy, amen? We can bring every accusation low, we can bring every thought into captivity because of the blood of the lamb which takes away the sin of the world, amen? The second thing it says, that they overcame with the word of their testimony. How do we overcome? We overcome with the word of our testimony. You and I overcome with the word of our testimony. And folks, I'm just starting, I'm telling you, we need to start using the word of our testimony, amen? We need to, when God works healing in our lives, we, start, we need to start declaring even before the healing manifests that I am healed and God saved me and God has healed me and God is setting me free and God knows my needs and God's gonna provide for every need of my life, amen? I'm just telling you folks, we need to start declaring some things by the word of the Lord, amen? That the word of the testimony I, I still remember there was a time when, when, when in my heart there were some issues going on with, uh, with, with Taylor one time and, and, and I said something and the Lord stopped me. He goes, well, why, why are you saying something about a situation that I'm not saying? He goes, do you want it your way or my way? And let me ask you, do you want it God's way or your way? 
Okay, God says, God says, hey, I see her as righteous and I see her as a mighty woman of God and I see her as victorious and I see her as a, as a witness and I see, and all of a sudden I'm going, wow, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for sometimes my vision gets so limited and I only see what I see. But God, I don't wanna see what I see. I wanna see what you see. Our Father who art in heaven. You know, one of the great things about God being in heaven is his perspective on things is a whole lot different than ours, amen? Man, you ever been in a plane and looked out of the window of the plane, you see those little teeny lights moving down the road. Man, it looks like just little, little teeny lights. You know what? Perspective changes things, doesn't it? And can I tell you, from the perspective of heaven, Jesus is already the Lord of lords and the King of kings, victorious over every enemy. And that's what we're gonna declare in the earth today, amen? That's what you're gonna declare as you go into every situation and circumstances. Students, as you go back into to class and to the campuses this year, it's not, oh man, I gotta put up with class. No, it's God's got a purpose for me and God's gonna open doors for me and the favor of God is on me and the blessing of God is on me and God's gonna fill my mouth and the scripture says that if I open my mouth, he will fill it with his words for his purposes, amen? Do you believe that this morning? Amen. So we overcome, we overcome by the word of our testimony. Why don't you say this with me? I am God's child. One more time, I am God's child. I'm royalty. Amen, amen. The third thing, the third thing they did, the scripture says they did not lie, they did not love their lives unto death. They weren't in love, one's translation says, they weren't in love with themselves. They were willing to die for Christ. They weren't living for now. They were living forever. I think that's part of what what we gotta get sorted out in our lives. Am I living for now or am I living forever? Is it just about what happens in the moment Or is it what happens in eternity? It's the big difference there, you know, folks? Because in in the moment, it can look like me having to take the car in, two cars last week, go into the shop, and one get repaired, and one get a new set of tires, and money, 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 going out the door. You know what? Dealerships and car places and rest, nobody else has a problem asking for money, do they? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? But you know what, that can look like a a bad thing. That can look like a a wrong thing. But can I also tell you that that in the scheme of eternity, that doesn't mean anything. So is my concern just about now or is my concern forever? Okay, the people. Why, how could they live not being concerned, not loving their lives unto death? All right, and we're wrapping up. How how could they do that? Well, Well, here's what I believe. I believe they were already living as dead people. Amen? They were already living as a dead people. A couple of weeks ago, Yvette and I were out of town. We didn't get to be here for baptism. How many people got baptized? Has anybody here got baptized that day? Hey, woo! Good job, man. I, I, I saw the, got to watch it, and man, I'm so proud of all of you folks that got baptized, and, and, and if, if you haven't been baptized, you need to be baptized, and we can help you with that, but... But you know, the, before we left, um, Debbie, uh, Debbie's granddaughter, um, uh, Chloe, 
um, was moving to Colorado and wasn't going to be here for the weekend. And she, um, they gave me the privilege of coming in early before we left town. And, and I got to baptize Chloe. And, uh, and Chloe, how old is Chloe? Nine? Nine. Chloe's nine. And, and so I thought, well, I'll have to sit and explain to her what baptism is. And I said, hey, Chloe, do you understand what baptism is? And she goes, well, biblically speaking, it's... <laughs> so, no, she didn't say it exactly like that. But, but you know what? She said, well... You know what? Baptism means that I'm, I'm being buried with Jesus because of his death. And then I'm going to be, when I come out of the water, I'm going, to be, I'm going to be alive in a new way. It's like, man, you need to preach this, sister. I'm telling you, you know, that's right. That's good. She, 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 she got it. Is that we were, were dead in Christ. And that's the only way we can live is to be alive in Christ. Amen? It really is. As a matter of fact, um, the scripture talks about that very, very clearly. I, I like this in Galatians chapter two, it says this, for through the law, or Galatians chapter two, verse 20, let me just ask you, is this true of your life? It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how these people could love, not love their lives unto death. It didn't matter if we lived or died. So, so let me ask you, whose life is it today? Wh whose life is it? Wh who does your life belong to? Is it your life to do with as you please? Or does your life belong to God? Is that pretty clear, pretty simple? <laughs> Does your life belong to you or does it belong to God? Have you surrendered your life to God? Is that Galatians chapter two, verse 20 true of you? If this is true of you or if it's true of me, if our lives belong to God, then what about this? What about everything in our life? Who does it belong to? Does it belong to you? Does it belong to me? So whose time is it? Okay. Is it your time or is it God's time? Can, can I use my time any way I want? Or are there specific things that God says, I really do want you to spend some time with me or, or studying the word or, or spend some time in worship? But is it your time or is it God's time? How about this? Whose talents, gifts, skills, abilities are they? Are they yours? I can use them any way I want to. I can do what I want with my abilities. Or are they God's abilities? God's skills, God's gifts, God's talents. And they're to be used for Him and how He wants them. And, and how many people know ultimately that when we, when we do it His way, it's always gonna be best. Anybody know that? If you haven't figured that out yet, go ahead and write that one down, all right? How about this? I like this one. Whose bills are they? <laughs> I get a kick out of that when I go to the mailbox. I'm talking, oh, I got a card, you got a bill, Lord. I got, <laughs> you know, got an advertisement, you got another bill, Lord. <laughs> so I don't know how this, you know. Do, do you guys do that? Is it, is it God's responsibility? If we're living good and right, and is it God's responsibility to take care of those things? So how about this? Then whose money is it? 
y'all got to go. Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> Seriously. I mean, whose money is it? Is it ours? Did we make it of our own strength, our own wisdom, our own? Hey, come on, folks. We know better than that. If it wasn't for God, we wouldn't have the strength. We wouldn't have the ability. We wouldn't have the opportunities. Amen? It really does. It belongs to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians, Paul praises a group of people in a very special way because of their heart towards these type of things. He says it like this. He says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of their affliction, okay, and, and things were, you can go by, go read it online about what was going on in the in Macedonia during this time. It was, it was famine and poverty and, and affliction and hardship. But in the midst of this, in the, there was a severe test of affliction. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Even in the midst of difficult, hard, tough times, financially, these people gave in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, Paul says, I'm telling you the truth, but not just according to what they could do, beyond their means of their own accord, of their own accord. They weren't forced, they weren't coerced, they weren't manipulated, they weren't pressured, but of their own accord, because of something that was stirring in their heart, God was doing, had poured a grace upon them for all they had received, they desired to give. He goes on this, he says this, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor, for the privilege of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves, and here, write these three points down real quickly, all right? Here's our last three points, we're closing with this. They gave themselves first to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, they gave themselves to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you, see that you excel in this grace of giving also. And look what Paul says. He says, I don't say this as a command but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is genuine. I'll tell you this, I know one thing about this church. I know your love for God and your love for people is genuine. I've seen your expressions of generosity. I could start, I could just begin to tell stories of when you've gone so far above and beyond your means. And I know it comes because you've given yourself first to the Lord. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you. Do you see that? It's going to benefit the people that this offering is going to, but he says, it really benefits you. It benefits you. So let's wrap up here. You ready? What did they do? They gave themselves to the Lord. It all starts with God. Don't, don't ever get that confused, folks. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, it, it, it says this. 
It talks about, because sometimes it, it could sound like, oh, all I got to do is give my money. Folks, let me say this. You could give all of your money. You, you could give everything you have. Matter of fact, the scripture says that. If I give away all that I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I'm nothing. If we haven't first given ourselves to the Lord, then, then everything else doesn't, it's just not, not going to matter. Pretty simple, right? 